Hey everybody, shut up, Eric. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Wild Wild Will. We're going through all the Will Smith movies. Mark, Lily, Eric here. We got After Earth. Uh, we're going to be talking about that one. We're fresh off of Halloween. Eric, what did you dress up as for Halloween? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you are naked. It's <laughs> a ghost. Um, no, I didn't dress up this year. Lily? Mark, we were together, mm. and I um, dressed up as a bad parent <laughs> who took my kid trick-or-treating while they were pretty fucking sick. Yeah. So. She had COVID. She did not. She has no. pneumonia. <laughs> Which oh, really? honestly, I don't know why, but it sounds worse. Yeah. I, wait, who has pneumonia? Or you don't Luna, want to that? Luna has pneumonia. We um she came home oh. like pretty sick Monday from school, but then was like telling us that she will never miss trick-or-treating, even if she's dead. So Damn. we just hopped her up on pills and sent her out. Let her trick-or-treat. And then um Wednesday, Mark was like, we should probably take her to the doctors. And they made her get like a chest x-ray and poor little things got pneumonia. So, you know, could you tell like as she was like going door to door, was there like a no, she was fine. She was hopped up like a little. Uh, I mean, she was like slower to get to the doors than usual. But like the last 30 minutes, she like was herself. COVID-19 will do that to you. Stop. It's not. Um. Honestly, I it was Mark suggesting to bring her to the doctor. I probably wouldn't have. Wow. She would just like randomly pop a fever. So like I didn't think much of it. And but when he was like, oh, we should take her. She's like, oh, yeah, like, fuck it. Why not? And how's she doing was, now? She's good. She's hopped up on amoxicillin. So she's pretty much back to normal. Do you want to tell Eric what I dressed up as? Um, Eric, Mark dressed up as something so out of character for him. It was a guy with a dick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you could guess the real thing that I were was. Sorry, right, I'm going to guess you were a werewolf. No, no, I was the Glenn Gary leads. <laughs> oh, were you really? <laughs> the Glenn no. Gary leads. The stack of paper? <laughs> I love how Alec Baldwin like um holds them in his hand. He's <laughs> the Glenn Gary The Glenn Gary leads. They're for closers. <laughs> I will pay you guys money if next Halloween one of you dresses up as Alec Baldwin, the other one is the lead. Oh That's my up. god, can we watch that this Saturday outdoors? Please, can we watch Glenn Glenn? I'm gonna say yeah, yes. Yeah, for- we can watch it, it as has- you watch me throw myself into the fire. That has to be the worst movie to watch in a group setting outside, <laughs> just like just talky. <laughs> it's on. All right. Fucking kill me, man. So we have the movie After Earth, a concept created by Will Smith, written yep. by M. Night and some it other It was not dude. written by M. Night. And some other guy. It was, it was, they both were. No, M. Night tried, tried, tried to make a screenplay of it to get more acquainted with it and was like, never fucking mind and threw it to the writer. I mean, he, he did not. He has a writing credit. He shouldn't. Guys, uh, I have to. Oh, keep going, Mark. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's how I was going to say. Yeah. And then directed by M. Night. All right. We already know. Well, let's cut the bullshit. This is going to be a long podcast because I have a lot to fucking say. I probably don't have a lot to say. Honestly, it might be a short podcast, but I believe in you. Here's what I'm going to say I've been up for 36 hours straight. 
Do we want to talk about that before we get into the podcast? I do. Yeah. Why have you been awake for so long? I am, which it's pissing me off because this is, this is the podcast I was born to talk about, man. Like I was ready for this. Um, and now I might be a little fucking loopy and maybe my thoughts. <laughs> to be sense. fair, you're loopy most podcasts. Like I'm That's pretty sure true. we were talking about your erection last time. Wait, we're, what? I don't know. My mom texted me. She's like, you guys talked about penis a lot last time. And she was what like, what was their last movie? Um, Men in Black 3. We talked about penises in that one? She said that she just like, it just hit her while she was listening. Just like, man, they mentioned penis a lot. Can we just get into why Eric's on a Coke binge right now <laughs> yeah, and yeah, up yeah, for 36 hours? Dude, it feels like a Coke binge. Okay, check it out. Ready? For the uninitiated, for the past two years, this dog over here gave up caffeine. Mm. That means no fucking coffee. Well, let me backtrack. Basically, I gave up coffee and caffeine. I was a psychopath who fucking made a French press in the morning, lunch, night. I would drink a cup of coffee as I was going to bed. <laughs> like I would drink coffee constantly and I was able to just function. But what was happening is like, I always felt anxious or tense or fucking crazy. So I'm like, I need to maybe like relax on the fucking coffee. So I went cold turkey. Yeah. The last two years, dude, the first two months of going without coffee, like you, it's a nightmare because you, you get to a point where I couldn't start my day without coffee. Like if I got to work, I needed to be drinking coffee before lifting a fucking finger. And it was Mm -hmm. really fucked up. So anyways, quick coffee, no caffeine. Obviously, it's like, okay, I'm probably getting hits of caffeine from the little Hershey's bar. I mean, here and there, but I'm not getting that full cup of caffeine. I'm not doing energy drinks. I'm not doing any of that shit. I just only deplete. How much chocolate are you? (laughs) Yo, I'm looking at a bowl of Hershey bars. Here's the thing. I can't talk. I just ate two Milky Ways in bed. So you're okay, Um, So the last year, the first year, I just stayed away from coffee. The second year, I picked up decaf and I like decaf. It's great. It's the ritual of still getting that warmth, all that good stuff. Last night, for some godforsaken fucking reason, I had my first large cup of caffeine coffee at 7 p.m. Can last I, night. Was it Duncan? No, it was <gasps> like um, a weird Italian bakery. Not a weird Italian oh. bakery. It was really fucking good Italian bakery. But I was feeling super groggy and I was just like, I need just like coffee to I get mean, at seven drunk. o'clock at night. You should feel a little groggy because you should be like getting ready for bed in the next few hours. I know. And this is where the madness starts because I drank that coffee and literally at midnight last night I was in bed and I'm like, I am wide fucking awake. Oh, no. And I did not go to sleep all night. I stared at the fucking ceiling and the sun came up and I'm like, I did not sleep tonight. This is fucking bad. So I've been up for a minute which what's the math on that if i woke up at eight yesterday then i guess yeah you're right like, now would be 36 yeah ish yeah yeah so um, anyways did have you taken another drink of coffee though because you've been awake for so long no i and here's Who the thing i want to take a nap i was going to take a nap today before the podcast but i'm just like I'm just going to push through. So I might be a little fucking out there. Dude, which you're going to have such a good night's sleep tonight, though. Oh, I can't wait. So what possessed you to finally get a coffee? 
So here's what it was. I was meeting up with friends. We were doing a study hall kind of thing. We're all working on our projects. Knew it was going to be a study and I hall. took, I took like a 15 minute nap yesterday, but when, do you ever see, maybe this is not good because technically I did sleep a little bit, so I'm not surely up for 36 hours, but I took a 15 minute nap, like around six o'clock and have you Ooh, ever taken that makes those you naps feel like where you come shit. out of it and you're that will make you feel like shit. Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, holy shit, that actually mm-hmm. did worse. That's like way me. too late in the day. Yeah. Like that, you just feel like garbage. So I felt like complete garbage. And I'm just like, what's it really going to do if I just have a little caffeine just to get a little pep in my step? And I'm I'm here to tell everyone caffeine actually works. I did not go to sleep. You would have been I've like been better up. off even having just like a small soda. Like Jesus. You know what? I blame your friends. I'm calling them out. None of them listen. You know what? You're having a study hall. Why would you let our man drink a little caffeine that late at night? Yeah, I was operating on my own volition. So that's the first part. The second part is we're going to get into M night, but I'll let you guys take the wheel for a second because I have so much to fucking say. It's all right. Should I break this down? If you fucking can. We're in the future. Oh, God, the beginning was a little confusing. The Earth was destroyed by aliens that were trying to kill us. And how they killed us is they sent a bunch of. No, 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 no. We just we destroyed the Earth and left Earth, right? And went to a different planet. And then on that different planet, we're trying to live And aliens sent a bunch of mutated animals to kill us on, on the separate planet, right? On the second planet. Am I wrong there? Who knows? Like, honestly, you're in the weeds. No, Just I think that's what. All right. So, so they, the alien sent is no longer uh, in play. Yeah. yeah so we're on a second planet. The Ursus, the Ursus came for us. And and so these aliens send a bunch of like animals that they're basically blind to us. But the only way that they can sense us is through fear. Right. So if you're afraid, that's how they see you. They smell your hormones and your adrenaline and stuff. Um, so that planet's kind of fucked. I don't know. Um, the, the Will Smith is some kind of army captain guy or something and ranger ranger, whatever. And, and, um, Jaden Smith is in it and he's Will Smith's son in real life and in the movie. And he's trying to become a ranger. They end up going on some kind of special mission in the, um, the spaceship blows up and they basically end up back on earth, but with one of those creatures on earth with them that smells their fear. But then also for some reason, the animals on earth are also like the big and dangerous now. Like a bird is no longer just like a, it's not like a blue Jay. It's like a motherfucking 15 foot. I'm going to kill you bird. Like uh, for some reason, all the animals are bigger now. And um, so it's just Will Smith's character and his Jaden Smith. Will Smith's character has got like a broken leg and he's not doing great. He's stuck on this like this spaceship or on the, in the, the hull of the spaceship. And he has to send Jaden Smith out to go to the other part of the broken spaceship where there's like a tractor or a beam, a signaling beam thingy to get rescued from from Earth. So basically, it's like Jaden going through Earth, fighting off the regular Earth animals, but then also having to fight off the 
other animal that senses your fear, and that's the only way that they're able to see you. Now, between Jaden and Will Smith in this movie, basically, Jaden Smith does it. It's like uh, he doesn't feel like he's good enough type of thing, wants to prove to his dad that he's he's really good at being a ranger and can be a ranger. Also, Will Smith kind of half blames Jaden for the death of Lenny Kravitz's daughter, which was also his daughter in the movie. Um, but also Jaden kind of blames himself too for the death of his daughter, which happened at their home when one of those creatures came into the house. Um, but also Jaden Smith kind of blames Will about it. You know, there's a lot of tension between those two because of the death of the daughter and you know Jaden's sister, which we just see kind of like in flashbacks. So Jaden's going through and it's kind of like a survival movie. You know, can he make it to the 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 homing beam thingy to so they can get saved. Um, by the time he gets there, he has to meet up with the big bad creature that smells your fear. Now with these, the good Rangers, there's this thing called ghosting, which means that you're not afraid. So if you're not afraid, this thing can't smell your fear and you can fight it pretty good. Well, look at that. Jaden has grown throughout the movie. He's no longer afraid and he's able to, fight this creature and kill it. Then he uh, does the whole beam thing and they get rescued. And then they, um, they hug at the end and they're like a one big happy family. They learn a little something about themselves, learn a little something about their um, relationship and um, everything's better. The end. Right. Sure. But Mark, you forgot the part where they say, um, I want to go to work with mom. And Will oh says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. He said, Listen, "Yeah, me too." Before me too. <laughs> That's me too. Before Eric <laughs> tries to convince any of you listeners out there that this movie is not a giant turd, I don't claim to be to a me. prophet. You listen to me, and you listen to me clearly. This was a hunk of dog shit. And Will Smith was too successful to not see that this was going to be a hunk of dog shit. And the love for his son blinded him so fully. This motherfucker thought that he was creating a colossal franchise for his beloved son. That there's me video games, graphic novels, books, more of these movies. For his son, who he lovingly coached through this. But I will tell you now, I have never in my life laughed harder at the beginning of a movie than I did it after Earth. And nothing in this movie is a comedy. The sheer audacity to coach Jaden to do whatever insane accent he chose was so baffling that I definitely missed at least the first two minutes of dialogue from fucking laughing so hard. And that is your first tip off that regardless of what Eric Myra says next, regardless if M night is attached, this was a foul movie that deserves the 12% on Rotten Tomatoes that it has. Should I play the accent? Oh, please. You shimmer like gold. Now, baby, let's run. Is this Jeremy Renner? 
Jimmy Matt Ratter, baby! Main attraction! Okay, here's here's the after Earth well accent. Here's the after Here's Jada doing the after Earth accent. No, I wish. But in the field, you collapse. I'm not advancing you. You may try again next year. Sir, I am dedicated, have studied, and consistently display conduct becoming of a ranger, sir. I request that the commander reconsider his assessment, sir. It's so, almost like Gregorian chants where I feel like three different voices are coming out of his vocal cords at the same time. It sounds like a mid-Atlantic accent, but somebody that's hard of hearing trying to do it. Right? Like where it's just there. <laughs> there are like so, moments where it wavers into like a very Italian Brooklyn accent. There are moments where it's like he did like Ka from Boston, Mid-Atlantic. Um dedicated, have studied, and consistently display conduct becoming of a ranger, sir. It is so yeah. inconsistent throughout the whole movie, which like of course it is, because it is such a bizarro accent that you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it accurately throughout an entire movie. Yeah, what? I don't... Was it a made-up accent? Is that a true accent? Is no, that like a Boston, Baltimore? A There's no one who has that accent. I'm like, the, I feel bad because you can tell that, like, Captain Guy is doing it a little bit. Will Smith is doing it a little bit. And I don't know if it's just because they're older and mature, so, like, they know not to go as full throat with it. And Jaden's young and, like, giving it his all. So he, like, really chucks himself into this accent. But woo, doggy, is it, like, it was literally, it was all set up. And I was laughing, like, you can ask Mark, I was laughing so motherfucking hard because it was just so ridiculous that I could not take in anything that was being said in that voice and that ladies and gentlemen is the fear talking when you can <laughs> ghost like me you can appreciate the future accent or whatever, yeah. it, or whatever the fuck it is eric's gone ghost killed him. <laughs> I'm, I'm ghostly right now no fear um so before we get to how I feel about this movie, because we still don't know how I feel about this movie. We I do. haven't, we really I haven't do. played my hand. I want to talk. I've got, we got to set the table a little bit and we got to talk about two people in the room and one is Will Smith and one is M night and how they got to this movie. Cause I find it very, very interesting. Mark already mentioned something about it's kind of Will Smith's idea. <laughs> Sorry. I'm drinking. A That's the caffeine guys. <laughs> got the coffee burps. <laughs> <laughs> I can die it over here. So it sounded like your skin just fell off your body. That wasn't even a burp. <laughs> like molting. I'm ghosted over here. Dude, that would probably feel so good to molt. Uh as as Mark had mentioned, Will Smith was in a position where he was trying to do a project with Jaden and what was happening during this time period? It was very much he was trying to make both of his kids pop, right? He was already doing that with Jaden, with the Karate Kid, Pursuit of Happiness, all that shit. But now it was like, we need to make the movie where I literally pass the blockbuster mm -hmm. torch to my son. And he gets this, inherits this franchise, but also inherits like blockbusters, right? He's going to become the face of like summer movies from here on out based on the success of this film. Um 
Also, at the same time, Will Smith is dabbling in um, a lot of religion, if you catch my drift. And one of the main. Yeah, that's one of the main religions, Scientology. And when you watch this film, there is a lot of Scientology in it, like Mm -hmm. a lot. Like Like everything's a choice. Right. Fear is a choice. How do you handle yourself in a stressful situation? I'm not an expert in Scientology. So what I recall is I remember reading an article where someone's like, oh, like um, a mother, if their son like falls off their bike and like breaks their leg, you don't want to come out the running out the door, be like, oh, my God, what happened? Your leg. Oh, my God. We got caught. Blah, 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 blah. As a Scientologist, you will kind of want to run out and be like, it's OK. I've alerted an ambulance. The ambulance is on its way. We're going to get you to the hospital because they believe again. Also I don't know. Parenting. It's like the trauma stuff, right? If you're screaming, if you're freaking out and the child's freaking out and then you inherit this like trauma that's like in you from billions of years ago from aliens or whatever. Okay. And but so- also in Scientology, you get to a tier where you should be able to self heal. So yeah, absolutely. So And again, I don't know a lot about it, so I'm not trying to use this as a platform, but that's kind of where Will Smith was in this place of like, I need to make Jaden a star. I'm also dabbling in religions and stuff. And he was popping Scientology. I think at the time he was like donating to Scientology. And a lot of people were like, oh, is he now a Scientologist? But he just kept claiming he was like a person of all religions. Like he didn't follow. He's never fully come out. Well, speaking of the Scientology thing, did you hear hear about cheerupwillsmith.com? What? No. Okay. So when he started, when this came out and it got shit on and everything, and, and people started pointing out the Scientology stuff, like Eric's saying, there was this website that popped up, cherupwillsmith.com, and there was a bunch of um, flyers being put out in Manhattan that basically told Scientologist members, this website said it as well, that you need to watch After Earth a minimum of three times, then upload positive videos for Will Smith on that website. Uh cheerupwillsmith.com ended up being these two comedians that did it no yeah that i think people really yeah, do that's it. kind of yeah. awesome and, i guess i have um, to watch the third time the, the church of scientology got like really pissed at them these two comedians um they've also previously pretended to be time warner cable representatives and they'd go house to house asking people if they can make their service worse <laughs> can we make your service worse that's, <laughs> Cable, guys. that's pretty oh that's bad. awesome all right so all right so scientology so, he's dabbling in this stuff he's dabbling in stuff he also, wants to get he's dating. like he had just done men in black but he had taken a hiatus yes from hi- acting and this isn't just a will and Jaden movie jada is also a producer on this movie. So like they were also going through weird times then too, where they're, they're constantly fighting accusations of like infidelity or open marriages. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that Jada was a part of this. So yeah. So it seems like a big family affair, which makes sense because at the end of the day, like parents are going to push their kids into like, the craft or whatever and get them from the camera or whatever. Um, especially if you're someone like Will Smith who wants his family to all be stars or whatever, it's like, why not be like, Hey, I'm going to put you in a big summer blockbuster. Here you go, kid. Uh, he feels like he has the formula. He's had 15 years of just bangers. So like, 
I get it where it's like, oh, I have the formula. Mm -hmm. You love your kids. So why would you not be like, okay, like, let me do this for you now also. And from what I recall, and you guys might have the better detailed notes, Will Smith came up with the premise of this, but originally it wasn't the sci-fi idea. It was Mm going to be like, almost like hatchet, right? Where it's just Mm -hmm. like plane goes down in Alaska and my, I'm pinned to the fucking pilot seat and I'm all fucked up and the pilots are dead and Jaden run out into the Alaskan wilderness and find help and get back. It was supposed to be like a good, which I, and again, I don't, I haven't done the research to know what changed there, but I'm wondering if it's at the same time, the Scientology things going on, which Scientology has a lot to do with science fiction because of battlefield earth and all that. I wonder if it was like a weird crossover thing where it's like, well, maybe we can make it futuristic tie into this I, stuff. I read too point. that like his thinking was like they had like that basic idea and they're like, oh, this story's so good. We could make it even bigger because Will Smith was really like legit thought there'd be graphic novels, comic books, right. interactive video games. So I think if it had stayed kind of like hatchet level, you couldn't do any of that. I think he he envisioned this being a multimedia platform. Like I feel like he almost thought like this was going to be like their like Avengers, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like they're like small, huge franchise that Jaden could play in because, you know, he's, I guess he's like that good age where it's like video games and comic books and graphic novels to like market him into. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it took that leap from more of just like a grisly, um, like camping story to more outer space because you can't really do multimedia platforms with, yeah. Say you do the grizzly camping story, mm. place Will and Jada J- or Jade in with Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Oh, oh a rush hour. Chris How? Tucker's out in the wilderness, a bear's attacking him. Okay, that would be That's solid. You can't awful. swipe at a black man. Something okay, like you that. Shouldn't. That's how Chris Tucker talks. I know, but I'll do my Jackie Chan then. Could you imagine like a grizzly? camping accident movie with M night at the helm. That would have probably been a pretty dope, scary movie. Well, can I bring up, I, this is what I was thinking about M night because um, I think we're all, we're all M night fans here. Eric definitely rented out a theater during COVID <laughs> so we could see old. And I think I, I, I like looking at where M night succeeds and where he fails. And like M nights, he had his peak success, like we'll say a couple, Wow, I mean, I guess his peak success might have been six cents, and then he was kind of riding that wave for. But he's found a nice niche now, where he had a ton of fail failures, and he's found a nice niche of where just like he can come up with these. What is it like? Am I is the high, he does like high concept movies, right? Where it's like here's an idea, we're just gonna base it off that idea. What if there's an island where people just grow old real fast, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be the biggest fucking thing in the world, but it's like an M Night movie, and he's got his people that go see it. I feel like his biggest failures, though, are when he does kind of like this is a more blockbustery type movie, right? Well, he I'm, tried like Avatar, right? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. So where does M Night succeed and where does he fail? This is where the M Night factor comes in, and we have to put in context where was M Night at this time? And you're right. So M Night, in this point in history, was slowly from. The Americans, and I want to say American population, was starting to um, cool on him. 
he was still here's what's fucking crazy and people don't know this like if you look up like europe's like certain places in europe france or like whatever these big like film places internationally his movies will be like number one or number two on the best films of the year list like last airbender after like he will wind up on those lists all the fucking time whereas here it's just like he just made the worst movie from our perception, the worst movie. Uh, Last Airbender was the worst cinematic. And it's like over across the seas. It's like, oh, yeah, that was in the top 10 of like the best movies of the year, which is kind of peculiar and interesting to think about. But M. Night was was getting cooled on. And that started with the village, man. Like people were not digging on the village. People were cooling on him. Lady in the Water came around. Oh, oh shit. Boy. People really cooled on him. Happening happening but isn't it weird because i feel like people are cool on them but in retrospect people are like actually well i think he, pretty well, good. Yeah, i mean his major why. peak was six cents yeah 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 like he made a fucking billion dollars and he got like oscar he got oscar nominations i mean that and was he was, honestly a phenomenal and he was movie. like 12 years old for six cents, <laughs> he was he was in his he was in his early 20s yeah well I mean, he was, was in like the first time i was shocked by an ending of a movie yeah absolutely he yeah so he comes out of the gate with six cents which kind of damns him right because it's this billion dollar movie great twist oscar worthy performances he gets an oscar nomination for the screenplay like that is such a big legacy and a lot of people think it's his first film it's not his first film he did praying with anger which was like his first like low budget feature out of college and then he did wide awake with rosie roseanne o'donnell what's her name rosie o'donnell you're mixing two people (laughs) yeah (laughs) rosie roseanne (laughs) oh it's rosie o'donnell or roseanne uh rosie o'donnell sorry the sleep thing is catching up with me (laughs) And then he made The Sixth Sense. But yeah, that's like a huge movie to like kind of get known for. And anyway, so back to the cooling factor, right? So Happening comes out and people are just like, this is the biggest piece of trash that was ever made, blah, blah, blah. Critics cooled on him. By the way, rewatch The Happening. That movie's an underrated masterpiece about depression and suicide. It's crazy. Uh, After The Happening... He had to change gears because people were kind of like this whole high concept horror shit is not working more. The twists aren't working. We don't like it anymore. So he was announced to be the director of the live action Avatar, the last airbender film, which we have to get into that because if you that movie has so many violations in terms of like whitewashing the cast, like disrespecting the source material and being like a god awful script. But I will say on record here, and you can take this to my grave and play whatever. That movie's visuals are better than the any Star Wars, recent Star Wars movie, Last Jedi, go fuck yourself. Even though I, I adore that movie and love that movie. Last Airbender, if you watch that on mute, it's like, <laughs> no, truly, it has to be on mute because you don't want to hear people saying the lines from that movie. Um, is like stunningly shot, directed, like, no one's even gotten close to what he accomplished in that movie, which is a crazy thing to say because I fucking hate that movie. And yeah, that was like, we went and people were there with like their books and we are like hardcore avatar lovers over here. That was like one of the more disappointing things I've seen. Cause you're like, this is a phenomenal series, phenomenal director. And it just fucking did not connect. 
it is weird when you like something so much because like we like like the Nickelodeon show like a lot. Like Tons. I think I'd, I'd watch it like three times, like mm-hmm. the entire series. How hard it is for your brain to realize that you're watching a bad version of it. Mm. You know, it's hard to pinpoint like immediately out of the theater going like that was really bad, you know, mm-hmm. and I can see why people were thinking that episode one was good when they got out of the theater. They've been waiting for a Star Wars movie for so, so long, long and then they're like, it had to be good, right? You know, I'll give M. Night a little um leeway on Last Airbender because genuinely, I don't think doing cartoons to live action it is like far and few between where it's good like disney's always trying to do it and make you think it's good it just isn't because there are things that you can do in cartoons that fucking work because it's a cartoon and you're immediately allowing so much disbelief because it's a fucking cartoon but the minute you try and make a live human person do it it is just so uncomfortable and corny and god awful. And you know what? Let's fucking tie a ribbon on this. Will Smith will show us exactly what we mean in a few short films when he's in the live action Aladdin. Live oh, actions no. from cartoons, they just like truly, truly don't work. It's an uphill battle. So, you know, I I I can give M Night some leeway on that because it it's just a bad move generally speaking so i think it would have been the most impressive difficult task if he had been able to make last airbender live good yeah and there's so much to that that's like a whole other fucking podcast because there are so many reports and again i'm not trying to take away blame from m night i think he had a vision that he was going with that wasn't in line with the show and he's like this is what i'm going to do you hear so much where it's like the CEO of Paramount wanted their niece to play um, Katara, right? Is that her fucking name? Yeah. And that was Nicole Nicola Peltz, who's now married to one of the Was Beckham, it really? Brooklyn Beckham or whatever. Yeah, that was her. And it's just like, wait, so already Paramount, who's funding the movie, is getting like this white chick to play like someone who isn't. what It's it's such a messy thing. But I main point I want to make about Last Airbender, that was his first like, Here's $250 million. You're going to make a franchise film. M. Night up to that point had only directed films that he wrote based on original ideas. They weren't based on books. They weren't based on comic books. They weren't based on cartoons, on previous TV shows or whatever. Up to the happening was all original material. So Last Airbender was the first time it's like, oh, I'm going to take someone else's property and do this with a massive budget. That's going to kickstart a trilogy of films. That was supposed to be three films. Totally blew up in his face. Critics panned it. People hated it. Fans were not, were not, did not receive it well. And that brings us to Will Smith giving M. Night a call, being like, hey, I see you're kind of on the ropes. People don't trust you right now. I have a project to get you back in the good graces. Another big budget movie, a little thing called, I think it was called like 1000 AD or something like that before it was was that what it was? Oh, after. Before, and he's just like, yo, come hang with us. So that's the point I want to bring us to before we get into After Earth. So you have an M. Night who needs to get his groove back. 
You have a Will Smith who has total control over a movie. Now, M. Night is auteur, writes his own shit, directs his own shit. But now you have Will Smith, too, who's like, this is my project. This is my son. We're making this to get my son to have a franchise. And I have a little bit collides in a little movie called After Earth. Um, so I read and I don't know if Eric, you can confirm it, but. M. Night directed this as in like he came up with like the blocking and the visuals, but there's like a pretty strong rumor that Will Smith directed Jaden specifically and like directed a lot of the action, but that when it came out so critically panned that M. Night shielded Will Smith and like took most of the credit for how spectacularly bad it came out. But that people are saying behind the scenes, Will was directing a lot of the movie and a lot of the pieces of the movie that did not go over well. Because people across the board are like, visually, After Earth is really, really beautiful. But the rumor is that M. Night didn't really direct like the action and the acting portions of this movie. Which would also be weird of M. Night. Because again, like you said, like he's only done like original work and he's this is his first movie that he didn't make an appearance in. Like that, like as much as this is like an M. Night movie, it is like a very weird one where he was not himself in it. Yeah, and I can here's what's even fucking crazier. So what year was this? 2013. Yeah. This was ten nine, ten years ago right this yeah. was at the time where celebrities were still weird about joining twitter and shit right like celebrities weren't showing up on social media platforms it's a norm now everyone's on fucking social media but back then it was a rarity and because m night is one of my favorite directors i think he's phenomenal form yeah you can quote me on that uh he had just started Twitter and because I always kept my ear to the ground on anything he was working on. I always had the scoop dudes. I guess the ending to split before it came out. You can quote me on that. Did you really? Hell yeah. Uh, because I'm a psychopath. Uh, <laughs> so he had just started a Twitter account for this and he had started posting images from the production. Like, Oh, we're in Costa Rica. We're shooting or whatever. And literally one of the first images he posted, which you can find on Google, is an image of him doing the classic like director's hands. So it's an image of him, Will Smith and Jaden, and they're filming a scene. And it's M. Night doing the director hands, like his viewfinder, right? Looking through his hands, figuring out what the shot is. And just to the left of him is Will Smith doing the same exact thing with his hands up and Jaden like looking at both of them. And the tweet that M. Night put is like, no, 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 Jaden, pay attention to me. Oh, shit. No. But here's the thing. In retrospect, that sounds like, oh, is that shade? No, I think that was just kind of like, oh, this is like kind of a funny behind the scenes. Like dad's on the set. I'm on the set. Jaden, over here, over here. I need your attention. We're trying to do this, blah, blah, blah. But telling. Super telling. And it makes sense where it's like, I'm sure that was the case on Pursuit of Happiness. I doubt Will was just like, oh, yeah, talk to the director. I'm sure Will's like, this is my son. I'm going to fucking coax a performance out of him. Oh, 100 percent. And same with Karate Kid. I've done zero research on that. Will Smith was probably every day on set there because you probably need a parent or whatever. And he was probably helping him with his performance there. And Will Smith didn't direct the fucking Karate Kid. 
And then same with this, where it's just like, yeah, makes sense. Will Smith's on set. M. Knight's there to do what M. Knight has to do. Will Smith is probably stepping in to help with getting a performance out of Jaden. But I find it so interesting because this is a very M. Night performance that Jaden's giving, which is uh, not easy to like, which is <laughs> kind of corny, kind of laughable. He's, he's giving, pulling a Mark Wahlberg. Absolutely. He's he's giving a performance that is easy to make a YouTube video where it's like, these are the reasons after it sucks. Jaden's accent. What? Question mark. Can I say? All right. I'm glad we brought it back to after. So <laughs> I, I want to say, though, I, I, I this movie stunk. It was a bad movie, but positive notes. I want to say that in my life here on this. Current Earth. Oh, instead of an after Earth, yeah, 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 we got it. I I've gone through this life having Jaden pegged wrong. Really? Yeah, I mean, I get like the nepotism is pretty rough. Where Daddy put you in a bunch of movies. Yeah, but Pursuit of Happiness, Jaden was pretty good. Great for what this is. Jaden's pretty good. Like he he is. He's not bad. He. I'm not. I think. Yeah. I think that I think Will Smith is also good in this. Will Smith, I think think Will Smith is good in this. I think that the accents are bad, and whoever's choice that was was it was a bad choice. Um, and I and I don't think the movie works, but Jaden's pretty believable in all of it. Like I feel like that Jaden's like hitting all like the emotional notes that he's supposed to hit. Like he's not doing he's not doing a Harry Styles and whatever that dear darling bullshit like. Jaden is can actually act. Oh, I feel like I feel like I thought Jaden was overacting so much in this movie. Like I thought Pursuit of Happiness worked because I feel like there was very little acting from Jaden because he was so young. I feel like Jaden was overacting in this movie. Um, I think some of his issues were just like script wise. We're just like, oh, my God, he was just like, I- such like a whiny little thing like i just he's supposed I, to be though sure no i like i like i think will smith was good in it and i think will smith could really show off the nuances and Jaden. i just felt like it, it was just a no good across i know nothing about acting but maybe it's like i i do i do see what you're saying where he was like he was playing it pretty loud in some points but also, maybe it's just because he was the only one on the fucking screen. He's not like playing against somebody. Like I'm trying to think of Castaway the whole time. It's just Tom Hanks going Wilson. Like he's playing it loud too. And maybe it's just because there's nobody to play against. So you're just like you have to be the thing on the screen doing yeah, something. I think this. I like. I think this was almost like a mean film to really thrust him into. We're like, yeah, you're right he is carrying the weight of it. Most of the time him and will aren't even on screen together for most of the movie. I don't think this is something you give a newbie actor and like having two movies under your belt is not being an actor. Like I think, I think that's really hard. And I think he was at like a tough age to be the only kid, only person on screen. Cause he's not young enough. Where like you're still good at playing pretend. He's like that really awkward 14. Like, I don't think 
Like, I think this was like a mean project to try and like make him star in because so much of the weight is on him. And then unless he is like an impeccable actor like his father, who it's almost unfair to also have in this movie because he is an impeccable actor. Like, I think you're fucked. Like, this is just tough across the board. All right. And I got I got uh, uh, just three obnoxious things that I feel like could have made this movie better. And I want to see what you guys before think you, before you say it. Yeah. We're on the Jaden train. I just oh, yeah, 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 yeah. thought I totally understand where you're coming from. And based on this, everything Ooh. we're going to discuss, I'm not going to oh. be someone I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll show my hands right now. I'm not here to convince people to like this movie because this movie's a bad cat, meaning it's a cat that's going to fucking bite you and you got to fucking like really pet it and get it to like you. This movie takes a lot of work to appreciate certain parts of it, but I'm not fucking delusional. It's a fucking rough go in some parts, but I think there's some really high highs and there's some really interesting stuff going on that I want to tap into because at the end of the day, M night is all about choices that other people don't make. And when he swings and makes choices, it either is fucking laughable where you're just like, what's up with these accents. But by the end, I'm just like, I would be more annoyed if they had modern blockbuster accents where it's like, dad, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along, grab the shaft. And then just like, do, 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 grab the laser gun and just doing quippy fucking Marvel bullshit. I'm just like, this is a bizarre fucking choice that they're speaking very stoically. And they have these like accents that are kind of peculiar, but it's a choice that other people don't make because People don't have the cojones to make a choice. They just want to be like, let's make something that the audience what? won't be offended by. Kate. We need to make the most like cookie cutter horseshit. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Good my job. one I was going to say about Jaden is that we've seen movies in our lifetime with bad like teenager actors. What I'll give to Jaden is that I knew what his emotions were throughout. The- there was never a time where I'm like, what is he thinking right now? What is what's happening right now? Is he supposed to be scared? Is he supposed to be having fun? The entire time he's at least conveying like, oh, he's frustrated. Now you could be like, he's overacting this fucking frustration through the roof. I'm totally fine with that argument. But it's like, oh, he's mad right now. He's scared right now. He's angry with his dad right now. He's like, he never doesn't play to the, the emotion that he should be playing, if that makes any sense. So that, but I can make the argument, Eric, that this is not a cookie cutter movie. They made choices and it fucking flopped. So this is the reason we get nothing but cookie cutter movies. It's not because the cookie cutter movies are successful. It's because movies like this, they tried to do something a little different, failed. And this is the reason we have all these Marvel movies. Wait, wait, wait. What's the argument you're making? I'm yeah. so that after Earth, yeah, sure. They they tried to make choices, right? They tried to make some interesting choices with the accents and to do not so much quippy bullshit, like it's a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and to try to make a quieter movie in some points and a movie more about relationships. And it fell on its face and it lost money. So then because of that, everybody's too afraid to make a movie that makes choices. So this is the reason we get nothing but cookie cutter movies is because movies like this failed and sucked ass so hard. I would not lay that blame at I wouldn't blame the blame it after. Well, I'm going to lay this on you. I feel like that's fucking lazy to say. Damn. Damn. I just feel like it's lazy to say. See, if this is lazy. Because this movie 
isn't why we get cookie cutter movies because this one failed. This one failed because it made choices, but it just fucking made bad choices and it made wrong choices. And there are plenty of cookie cutter movies that don't do well that also make those cookie cutter choices and fail because they made a bad choice. I mean, there are plenty of like weird, nuanced movies that succeed. So I don't think After Earth is like neither here nor there. Oh, Bart, before you say your three obvious things to make this make this better, I will say this. The first act of this movie is like fucking jarring dog shit. It's maybe that's a little too harsh, but you lose the first act because nothing in that has any consequence and it makes no sense at all. And it's completely jarring, completely edited terribly. None of it works. Just get to them crashing and the movie starts singing. The movie starts actually working once they fucking crash on Earth. But anyways, go. You can tell that there's a lot on the editing room floor because like the whole first half, Mark and I were just like, where are they going? Why are they going there? Why is that thing on the ship? Like, it is just so blatantly obvious that they just cut the living fuck out of this movie because there's just so many plot holes that then makes the entire narrative incoherent where it's just like, so just cut all of it and be like, you don't need to know what mission we're on, why we're on it. All you need to know is that there's a plane crash, but instead it's like they give you like parts of information and you don't know what to do with any of it. Oh, they make the carnal sin of starting the movie with, like an opening narration to explain everything. This is what happened to Earth. This is where we went. This is the aliens that came after us. Here's my dad. He's a ranger. He's a he's a ranger and he learned how to ghost. That means they can't smell his fear. And it's like, dude, we're 30 seconds in. And I'm like, what? What's happening? Who's who? What the fuck is going on? Um, very, very rushed. Sorry, Mark. Hit it. Pull us back in. This is what I got here. I know it's kind of lame poking holes in a movie, but I'm going to do it anyways with. So the whole thing is that these animals, or these creatures can smell the fear okay. and that's the only way that they can see you. And if you have no fear, then they can't. They literally say it's because you could smell. They could smell the pheromones on you and the yeah. adrenaline and the hormones that yeah. secrete out of your body. Get so get a nice fucking cocktail of drugs that gets rid of your fear or it masks it from these things. These things are so easy to defeat. Get three white claw in you, baby. You'll be afraid of nothing. Like this is the easiest problem to solve. Everybody's got, a ghost. You got, got honestly, you need a giver situation. Ooh. One person to feel all the fear for all. Whoa. All right. I have an argument against that, Mark. Navy SEALs with all our drones and our cool guns and all the things we can do to fight people, they're still jacked as shit and have to do like 300 push-ups. And you could easily be like, why are they even work? They don't have to do that. They can just, we have planes now and this, this, that. So I'm going to say that's why the Rangers still have to just not do the chemical thing or wear a suit that doesn't release the pheromones. They have to do it naturally. Yeah. And then fucking, they also all come home and have terrible PTSD and a high suicide rate. So. Um, Obviously, it's not working for them. This concept, though, I think would make a really awesome horror film. Because I'm trying to think of like, Mm -hmm. all right, so there's an animal. And the way that the animal kills you or hunts you is by smelling your fear. Mm -hmm. So in theory, these animals would then evolve to be this to be able to scare us. Mm, they have to create to fear. Like, they, like almost like Monsters, Inc. 
right? Like the more scared you get, the easier it is to hunt you. So it could do stuff like holograms and like make you like this could be like a terrifying a terrifying horror bring us back to fucking the last airbender baby the fucking spirit world animal that like switches yeah this could be a terrifying horror film and then like my yeah did that the plot to it it doesn't pennywise like have to like feed on their fear he has to like scare the shit out of them and then eat them or whatever but i i feel you pennywise to come from the yeah that's true I, I, I feel you. I totally get it. Also, like how it. come this thing can only fa- smell the fear pheromones? Like, why can't it smell like my pussy's pheromones? What the hell? You fuck one of these things. I'm just saying, like, if you can smell the pheromones for my fear, you should be able to smell other pheromones coming off of me. Oh, you take yeah. a shower. Um, I... <laughs> Willie's a ghost. She's ghosting right now. She's ghosting right now. She, yeah. It's called Magisil. <laughs> it's called Summer's Eve. Oh my God! We need, to direct, um, we need to direct the next scary movie and put that fucking at, bit. Like, oh, honestly, that sounds funny. like a horror trope right there. That the monster can smell you from your fucking pussy. That's a hundred percent a horror trope right there. And I, I, I didn't understand why they were on Earth, and then there was like the animals on earth were also dangerous and huge and shit. I think it would have been cool if they went full predator on us and just like, yeah, there was this, there was one, one of those animals that was stuck on earth with, uh, with Jaden hunting him the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't need Jaden having fights with three or four different animals that didn't smell fear. But then the last one does smell fear. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would have been cool if they did like a predator thing and it was just, one thing coming after him a, a lot of it didn't make sense because i didn't understand so why did we abandon earth if those creatures were no longer on earth and why did they have one in the ship with them like the reason that the ursa was on earth is because they literally had it in their ship it was just like none of it made sense All and right, also ready? like let's be honest he should have died like 20 times in this movie. And it was like, it didn't make it triumphant at the end when he finally like overcame his fear and killed the Ursa. Cause it's like, man, a big motherfucking bird had to die so that you could get to warmth. Cause your dumb ass couldn't do it. Like so you just bird, luckily, man. luckily made it to extra air because you didn't have any, like, the way that they almost like kind of kept like undercutting his survival skills made it not that victorious at the end because none of it was like on merit like where it's like wow he like really had to work hard and like pull from within it was like oh uh, this bird's gonna save his life real quick just like didn't make it feel like i don't know earned all right, you guys ready for pretentious heady corner over here? Because I have theories for days. Okay, uh, let's hear it. But it ties into like my overall feeling with the movie. And I may keep going back to this word. It's the choices that it makes. Something that I'm obsessed with, something when I watch a movie, is if a movie makes, if a movie's utter dog shit, for 90% of the movie, I fucking hate it. And it makes one interesting choice that no other movie would make. I'll come out of that movie being like, yeah, that was 11 out of 10. That was pretty sweet. Like it could be, it could be the worst thing about you. 
It, it could be a movie that fucking sucks. And then we get to the credits and for some reason they play like, don't fear the Reaper over the end credits. And you're like, whoa, why the fuck are they playing that? That's a fun. Usually everybody cuts to some shitty generic, whatever score this, that, and the other. And you're like, they're playing fucking some 41. What? Okay. This movie just became interesting. What Jeremy Remmers, writer's band. <laughs> Jeremy oh, Remmers. Yeah. Dudes. So man of steel, I don't want to get into it because I've reclaimed that movie. I think it's a fucking masterpiece. When I first saw it, I thought I, I was sickened by it. I was just like, this movie is like numbing. And like I need to get out of this theater. But even though I hated 99% of the experience back then, even though I like it now, I, le- I remember leaving the theater being like, yeah, but the bad guy's cape was made out of fur. That's fucking crazy. I've never seen that before. So, so that's cool. cool. Like, that's a choice that someone made that is not the norm. They didn't give him a leather <laughs> cape. They gave him a fur cape. That's fucking crazy. Okay, I'm in. So I'm obsessed with choices and why they make choices. So go back to you guys talking about like, what's with the alien on the planet? And what's with these animals? What's with Earth? Here's a big choice that the movie makes that I think is fucking brilliant. And I don't think enough people talk about the irony of the situation. Earth was abandoned because we destroyed it, right? Nuclear, whatever, forest fires, global warming. We literally don't know because they never bother to tell us. It's like a quick montage. We basically destroyed the planet. We sucked it dry. A thousand years later, they crash land on Earth. And Will Smith's like, do you know where you are? You are on a class A, you know, quarantine planet. This is like the worst of the worst. Everything has evolved to kill you. You're on Earth. And when Jaden starts his journey, Earth is the most beautiful fucking place I've ever seen in my life. It's not a post-apocalyptic sky. It's not animals with mutations. It is animals living harmoniously in beauty in Costa Rica with beautiful green trees, beautiful water. Uh, they've evolved into these big majestic beings and the movie's pretty much saying earth is now better without humans on it, which that is such a fucking strong choice to me because nine times out of 10, you do this movie, you go like, well, a thousand years later, earth's going to be like fucked up and weird. We'll see. It'll be wreckages of cities. We're going to see New York, you know, crumbling. We're going to see this. We don't see any of that horse shit that again, every other fucking movie does. This movie is like, look how big the trees are. Look how the birds are flying. Look at the bison. Look at this. Look how fucking great it's here. And I love the irony of that where it's like, oh, it's it's peaceful without people. And that's why it's bad to us. We can't survive on this because it's its own ecosystem. Like we're this intruding force on here. So that's one choice where I was like, hell fucking yeah. Movie, you're doing something interesting. Can I um say one scene that I think and like I could be really wrong, but I feel like it's a choice that Eric would have really enjoyed in this movie. So when he's on the raft, Jaden's on the raft, and all of a sudden his sister Zoe comes to him, like in a dream, and is talking to him. She's trying to get him to wake up. But then for like a quick second, the movie goes full tilt horror because he's not listening. And all of a sudden her face is like super fucked up. And she's just like very fucked up going, wake up, wake up. And I saw that and I was like, fuck, Eric's definitely getting on this podcast and saying he likes this movie. Like after that one scene, I was like, Eric's probably fucking loving this movie. You want to know what? 
I like the beginning of that scene because her like hair drops into frame and you're like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Who's this? And I like how he's like having a conversation with his dead sister. Mm-hmm. The part I hate about that scene is the end where her face gets fucked up. I'm just Do like, you? I'm like, this could have been a billion times better if it's just like he finally gets up and wakes up or whatever. And she's just gone or whatever. And it's like, oh, he was mm. just talking to her in spirit. They didn't have to do like the grotesqueness or whatever for like a cheap scare. Interesting. So I wanted if I'm going into this movie, what is it? Nine years ago as a big Will Smith fan. I think I would walk out being pretty disappointed. At how much Will Smith was involved. And I'm trying to compare this to a Tom Cruise movie, mm-hmm. right? If I'm going to go see a Tom Cruise movie, I'm seeing Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise makes sure I'm seeing Tom Cruise, even if it's an ensemble, even the freaking men in, or men in black mission impossible that they tried to kick him out and put, put our boy Jeremy in there. It was still a Tom Cruise movie. This one, Will Smith literally just lays back throughout the whole thing. And I'm not saying what Will Smith did was bad, like it was good acting and everything. And some of it was compelling. But I want to see Will Smith fighting some aliens. You know, I want him out there quipping it up a little bit. I want a Will Smith movie. And I think that's also one of the failures here. You know what I think? I think this is the difference between Tom Cruise and Will Smith. He makes this look good. Tom Cruise doesn't care about his kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like allegedly, he is, allegedly. He not, Alleged kids. He is not going to wreck a movie to make sure his kid is in God. it. Like, Tom Cruise is just like barely talking to them. And it's just like he would never wreck a movie for his kid. So I'm, you know what, though, and I appreciate that on some level, but I'm going to give it to Will. That's just like, you know what? That's some like, no matter what people say about you in the public sphere as like an actor, no one will ever say that Will Smith doesn't ride for his kids. You know what I mean? Like whether he's a good dad behind closed doors or not is like one thing. But like if nothing else, like Will Smith's legacy on top of like movies and music is like. He definitely comes off as like a family man to a fault in recent years. The slap. <laughs> but, he, you know, it's someone that you're like, that guy cares about his family, you, like to a fault. So this movie was it was about a father and a son coming together, forgiveness, seeing each other for who they are type of thing. Um, do you think that it caused the real Will Smith and Jaden Smith to have a rift in the relationship because you didn't mm, hear this was such a bad movie. You didn't hear I, no. after this movie came out. Did press also draw terrible, terrible <laughs> criticisms all landed at Jaden, which like I get that he's 15, but also you're choosing to be in a movie. And if you don't do a good job, we should be able to say that. Like, I don't think it should turn nasty or like racist. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it did, but I'm just saying like too bad. So sad. If you do a bad job, we should all be able to say that you did a bad job, but he did. Jaden at 15 did talk to his parents about emancipation. Like he felt so betrayed. Cause he literally, as Will says, I coached him into a public mauling. He's like, I coached him every step of the way. Every decision 
made in the acting of this movie is on me. And he was like, and I feel like Jaden, he's like, we've never talked about it in his memoir. He's like, we never talked about it, but he definitely like lost <laughs> like faith in me as like a leader because he did everything I asked him and just got fucked. Like Jaden didn't make movies for like years after this and has not <clears throat> entered into like another blockbuster. And like, while I support will mean like, yo, I did my son dirty. That's also part of the problem. Like if Jaden really wanted to be an actor, daddy shouldn't be making all of the choices for him and be making those acting decisions for him. And like, if you should do this or do that, like you kind of have to figure out the craft for yourself. And while I don't like necessarily support nepotism, I do support like the actors, kids who came into acting a little bit, obviously not on their own, but not necessarily starring in roles with their parents or trying to find like their own footing in it by not immediately going into blockbusters, maybe starting in like the indie world so that they can figure out their voice. And I feel, you know, like that's tough for Jade in that he got immediately tried to be thrown into blockbusters. And it's like, he, I feel like he needed to work on the craft. Like, I don't know that being a good actor is something that you can like genetically pass on or like all the coaching from a great actor isn't going to necessarily translate to you. Like how will acts might not be what works for Jaden to be a good actor. So if this happens and then his mom fucks his friend. It's super, super meta too, because I think the movie is literally trying to do what you're saying. The plot of the movie is about a kid who has to become a ranger like his dad the meta-ness of the movie is that Will Smith wants his son to become the next Will Smith. Mm-hmm. But the even more meta-ness of it is that the real journey that Katai, a.k.a. Jaden, should go on is the indie route to prove his worth as an actor. And that would make Cypher Rage, a.k.a. Will Smith, finally accept him. So they didn't even learn the lessons of their own movie. They just kind of threw him to the fucking wolves, man. And I also feel like it's one of those things where... I think it's very hard. I feel like the Smith family is very public because like not only is Will Smith Will Smith, but like Jada is like successful in her own right. And then like they try to like kind of make their kids influencers before influencers were a thing. So you just like you knew too much douchey things about them. Like, I don't know, like I definitely read weird articles where Jaden's like, I built pyramids in my room and like just like weird bullshit and like some like vague associations with Scientology. And it's just I think when nepotism is in play, the people that I've appreciated the most are the ones who acknowledge the nepotism and try and be like, listen, I understand that I did not get here fairly but I'm going to try and work hard to prove, you know, that I'm worthy as where I don't always get that sense from the Smiths. It felt a little more entitled, like the fact that he was 14 and like dad's calling up M night and trying to create like an entire franchise based on him. And I don't think that's necessarily the route to go because you have to give a spectacular performance for audiences to stomach that. But you give a performance like this 
And I feel like the audience is going to be even harder against you because it's like, oh, little rich kid coming in here and the shit's not even good. So I feel like um, and I think maybe his kids have gotten a little bit better at it more recently where like it seems like Willow's come in a little bit more uh, genuine into like the music industry as opposed to like whip my hair back and forth. And it Jaden's definitely quietly returned to acting and I feel like that works a lot better where you try and fly under the radar and like acknowledge uh your place in life and not kind of just like come in bold like look who I am you know it just doesn't work audiences don't like it the only nepotism I like is that one song from the wallflowers how's it going yeah, come on, try a little. Yeah. Nothing yeah. is forever. There's got to be something better than in the middle. Hell, it's a real character. So often, yeah, that's the only nepotism I like, baby. All right, interesting. It is hard. There's a lot of nepotism in Hollywood, and I get it, but. Interesting choice. Number two. Oh, I want to touch on Will Smith because you were talking about how he's just like you want to see him fucking fighting motherfuckers. And he's mm. just like stuck in this like the spaceship or whatever wounded. His son has to go out and carry on the adventure that Will Smith would in most movies do the adventure himself. But he can't. He has to bestow it upon his son. This is. I, I assume this has always been the game plan since the start. Like this isn't some new thing where it's like, oh, when Will Smith came up with the idea, they were both going on adventure. But when M. Night got attached, the father stays behind, the son goes. I figure the first iteration of the story was always this version, whether it was modern yeah. day, the past, the future. It was always going to be son does the adventure, father is wounded. What I find interesting, though, is that such an M. Night move, M. Night is known for taking Big blockbuster stars are Bruce Willis's, mm. are uh, Joaquin Phoenix's, are Rupert Grints. Our Rupert Grints. He takes people that we have a certain idea of what they should be. Let's use Bruce Willis. He's an action star. He's John McClane. He's diehard. He, he's this big bravado performance. And that's what we're used to. He's a comedian too. And what does he do in The Sixth Sense? He makes him a pudge of a man who's quiet, who's an introvert, who never raises his voice above like a 2.0 decimal. He's always saying his lines in the same kind of monotone, like you saw a ghost, what's going on? Blah, 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 da, 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 da. And that's a trick that really works. Oh yeah. Mel Gibson in signs. It's just like, you're going to do all your dialogue. Very, very emotionless, very mundane. It's just going to come out that way. And it's a trick that works because he does that with so many people. Take Will Smith, who was just in Man in Black 3, and be like, all your lines are going to be delivered at such a quiet level, and they're just going to be straight ahead, and this is what we're going to do. So it is interesting to subdue the Will Smith character. It's such an M. Night move, which was probably an appeal for M. Night being a part of it to be like, oh, cool, I can do that to Will Smith because he is stuck in the fucking spaceship the entire time. And I love that performance. I think it's fucking captivating that he's able to just like, he's not, again, he's not doing the quippy, just like, 
we're going to make this up as we go along. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, watch out for that trees. You know, watch out, Jane. There's a big wolf coming after you. Run, run, I think run. it's a missed opportunity. I think Will Smith and M. Night really could have done something cosmic together. Like, I think Will Smith is like such like a high tier actor. And like, I know that they'd wanted to work together for a while and they just like couldn't find a project. And I, it really is like such a shame because it's like, there's no way they can ever work together after this. And I just think they would have been like a dynamic duo together. Now, let me ask you two. This is kind of a heady question. We often compare Will Smith to Tom Cruise because we did the Tom Cruise podcast. Anytime Will Smith works with an auteur director, someone who has a vision, someone who's trying to do something, make interesting choices. When Will Smith did Ali with Michael Mann, he's excelling. When Will Smith does, you know, fucking after, you know, whatever you want to say about his performance, he's at least doing something interesting. But is Will Smith more the rock Dwayne Johnson than Tom Cruise is? Meaning, I get Tom Cruise is a brand. I get he has 30 publicists with him and he like can craft the narrative of his life in the movies and outside the movies. But like The Rock is pretty outspoken and upfront about like, I'm a brand. When I sign on to a movie, like we have to hit all my brand management deals. Like I can't get punched in the face in my movie. I have to be holding like three Gatorades at all times or whatever. I don't know what the fuck his requirements. Do you think Will Smith comes to this a little bit more of a brand than just like, I'm your actor, I'm your vessel with these big movies, these big sci-fi movies. Maybe, but then he'll do like a King Richard or he's got emancipation but, coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... But I'm talking about the like the the men in blacks, the independence days, this like I think when showing he, up as a brand. When he's in those movies, he's smart enough to go like, oh, I gotta be the brand Will Smith. But The Rock doesn't do what he does with like it's like 50-50. I think I'm going to say this. I feel like Tom is closer to like how a superstar used to be where like Tom's pretty closed off about his private life. He's deeply controlling on his movie sets, like down to like calling, you know, theaters to get like marketing stuff going. Like I feel like Tom wants a lot more control about how he's perceived and his image as where I feel like Will Smith is much more open. Like Tom Cruise, you're not talking to him about his family. He, I feel like Tom Cruise would rather die than be in a movie with one of his children. Cause that's just it would be bringing too much personal shit mm-hmm. into like I feel like the fact that him and Nicole Kidman did movies together is almost like too personal for him you know what I mean and it's why they almost made like odd movies together where they weren't like they didn't make like a rom-com together they're making some fucking crazy shit together but as were Will Smith it's like he's got memoirs out his wife currently has like uh show on Facebook where she is airing all of their fucking dirty laundry. You know, he is wholly invested in his kids. Like he is being filmed constantly. Like I, you know, he's done like try to like host documentaries on like Netflix. I feel like he is much more like the new age superstar where it's 
you know, he's dipping his feet in every medium where it's like, I do music, I do movies, I'll do TV, I'll do voice work, I'll do, um, yeah, I'll be on Netflix, I'll do Facebook, I'll share about my wife's cheating scandal and become like a mockery and a meme. Like, I feel like Tom Cruise does not want to be a meme ever. And I think he would do a lot to avoid it as where I think Will Smith is more embracing of like the new culture of how to be a celebrity where you have to be very, very open. This movie does the thing where it keeps talking about the book Moby Dick, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. The whale you have to conquer. Ready for my hot take over here? We're back to pretentious corner with Professor No Sleep. Uh, <laughs> I don't think the the analogy here is the white whale is the Ursa that you have to kill. I think the white whale is the spaceship. Let me explain. <laughs> Because I kept thinking, where the fuck are they going with this Moby Dick metaphor? Is it the notion of like slaying the white whales, like getting the approval of the father, uh, uh, freeing yourself of your past traumas, your white whale? There's all these things. That ship looks like a fucking whale. Did you guys notice it had like the big head and the tail? It looked like a giant fucking fish or whale, right? Mm. The one that crashes. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'll let you mention it. Now, now hear me out. We're going to follow this thread, right? Because I'm like, okay, the ship looks like a whale. The ship crashes. What's in that belly of that whale that's crashed? It's Will Smith, right? It's the father. The father is the white whale. And you know what they do is, which again, bold choice that I enjoy is, I love how like organic the ship was. Like it had like pores and weird like doors that were like gills almost that would mm-hmm. like, and it would like breathe when they first crash and they keep like going up and down. I'm like that's fucking cool. And then it, it almost looks like bones. Remember he finds the tail of the ship and it's like all white and there's like trees like ripping through in it. It almost looked like a skeleton of something. And I'm just yeah. like, I'm like, oh my God, the spaceship's the white whale. Because what happens at the end when Jaden saves the day, becomes the ranger ghost, a smaller ship picks them all up and takes them off of Earth. And I think that smaller ship is Jaden's whale. He's the small whale. Will sits the big whale that crashed and burned. Hmm. And Jaden's the one who rescues them. He's the small whale ship that gets us out of there. And like, there's Does that happen in Moby Dick. Does a little tiny whale save who the fuck knows what happens? What's no, name? basically in Moby Dick is he spends his entire life chasing this white whale and it was a waste of fucking time like when he finally gets it it's just like fuck i thought he dies yeah but it's just like you spent your entire life like you've wasted your life chasing these things and to me well i don't fucking know because i think they do such a shitty job because part of me is just like the white whale they try and chase is like whatever his father's approval or like having no fear which would be stupid like in reality what he should be chasing is like you know you, you find out the moral of the story is like you should embrace having fear and having emotions but they never fucking get to that point at all and i guess he finally gets his father's respect at the end but i think he even realizes like was it worth it because he's like i'm gonna go work with mom well, you gotta well, I think kill the father bed the mother I think that's the key to it all. Believe it or not, the hacky sitcom line at the end where they do like, I think I'm going to go work with mom is the like, 
we need to be more human and we can't be these weird, like ghosting psychopaths that kill Ursas on earth. Because look where it got us. It got us fucking crashed on this planet and almost eaten by chimpanzees. Like this is a bad situation. So I think the quip at the end is because here's my theory. Remember when Jaden yells at his father, which I thought that monologue was cool, where he's like, I'm that not a was cow. Good. You're a cow. He's like crying and shit. And they like he- left the voice crack in there. Like that was a legit, like decent part on his end. Yeah. Like that's where he gave his all and it worked. He was playing it over the top, but it worked in that moment. And what does he say? He's just like, and where were you? You weren't there when, you know, the sister got killed. You're never there. You're never fucking home. You're off fucking killing Ursa's and all those flashbacks they showed us in the movie. He's like hanging out with the Rangers. He's off on some mission. He's doing this. So them saying like, let's stay home and work with mom or next time I do that. I think it's an acknowledgement where it's like, oh, I shouldn't be a distant father going with all these Rangers, killing Ursa's and doing that. I should be home because I could have been home to one, maybe protect my daughter and two. I can be home to just be a parent to my son and be there for him because that's what he needs right now. He doesn't need the military like we're going to ghost and do that shit. But here's the thing that was at the beginning of the fucking movie. He was literally retiring. He was like, after I get back from this three day jaunt, I'm retiring. So like he'd already made that decision. He made the beginning of the movie. In the business sense, but in the emotional sense that he made it, because maybe he was just going to be that hard ass dad who's like, permission denied, eat your corn and mashed potatoes or whatever he fucking yelled at Jaden for not finishing. I think it's just really hard because I think it's like a movie that wants to like explore grief and want to explore expectations. And it just like it just didn't. It just didn't do it very well. And that's okay. Like, it's okay that it just it wanted to explore bigger topics and it just wasn't the vehicle to do it. Yeah. How I would say it's just like, here's like your prototypical, maybe blockbuster of just like, you got to fight the creature at the end. You got to do this. It's the hero's journey, whatever, whatever. But it's those weird eccentric things that are put into it that make me go like, yeah, this isn't great necessarily. I don't think it's M. Night's worst movie. I think Last Airbender takes that like Mm. the fucking nail or whatever. But while watching this, I can see the artistry that is being attempted, globbed on top of something that's maybe a little generic, maybe a little poorly executed, like a lot of flashbacks that kind of interrupt the flow. A lot of stuff that's a little hasty. Here's uh, here's what I'll say, too. I'll make another bull claim and we can go down this fucking rabbit hole because I want to talk about M. Night. This is my only chance to fucking gush about him. It's, I think, you live your life gushing and is not your only chance. <laughs> this is my only chance. I don't know if I was going to know. I think when it comes to blocking shot compositions, framing a scene, shooting a scene, he is better than any of his contemporaries when it comes to that. And I know that's a bold statement. People go like, yeah, but he doesn't make better movies than other people. That's fine. You can make that argument all day. And I would probably agree to be like, oh yeah, there's plenty of people who make better overall movies. But when it comes to like these like higher budget or not higher budget, higher um, concept movies, he knows how to fucking shoot the hell out of a scene. 
like no one's business. And it's not that obnoxious, like I'm a director, look how many needle drops I can do and how many quick edits and boom, boom, boom. Oh, I'm going to have text on the screen to be funny or I'm going to do this, blah, blah, blah. Take look that Scorsese. <laughs> yeah, it's, Scorsese fucking figured it out, man. He's the one who can do it. And Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. That was wild. Um, <laughs> I will fucking kill you both. I really will. But M. Night is so fucking good. And it's a skill that people don't have or whatever. And it, I, and I know why people don't have it, why a lot of contemporary directors don't have it, why a lot of people in television don't have it. It's not easy. And he makes it look fucking easy. He knows how to fucking block a scene. Not to go down a history lesson, a lot of people say, what makes film a unique art form separate from like theater and stuff is that filmmaking has editing, which totally makes sense. Like no other real art form, I guess music kind of has editing, but no other art form. You can like shoot all these things, put it together, edit together to make this like bigger, larger work, right? It has music, imagery, acting, all these things in one and editing is the glue. But I think the other thing people don't talk about enough, or at least I don't see enough is just like, no, filmmaking is different from theater because you have a spatial relationship between where the camera is and where the character is in the frame, how they move towards the camera, away from the camera, what's revealed in the scene. With theater, it's like, yeah, you can change your seat. So if you go to Hamilton one night, you sit in the front row, Hamilton another night, you sit in the back row, your spatial relationship to the play is going to be different. I totally get that. But filmmaking has so much to do with where is the camera and why is the camera there? And what is it telling us emotionally? What is the intention behind it? And I think M. Night is always so fucking intentional where he puts the camera. Something I noticed right away. Did you guys, I don't know if you were looking for this, notice how distant Will Smith is through the whole movie. Remember when he's like, he's they like have not even in a scene with Jaden for most of the movie. For most, but but I'm talking about even spatially distance. The camera never gets close to him in the first two acts. So there's that sequence where um he has to tell Jaden about the first time he ghosted, right? The Ursa or something was trying to drown him. So and boring. he had to like it's like, yeah, it's kind of a boring fucking scene. And Jaden's under the tree and it's storming out. The camera's so fucking far away from Will Smith because M Knight's intentionally being like, they're distant. Not not only are they distant literally. We can't get close to Will Smith because he's unknowable right now. And you know what happens in the third act when they lose communication and they can't talk on their communicators, but they start doing the weird like telepathic shit or whatever, where he's like telling him what to do and he's doing it. The camera's now on Will Smith's face. And it's just like that is Will or that is M Knight making the choice to be like, we're gonna film him from a distance the entire time until his character is finally truly connecting. Now we're going to put the camera right in his fucking face because we as the audience are now going to emotionally connect with that person in this moment. Those are things that you don't see people doing, those subtle things where you're like, that was a fucking cool choice. Anytime he reveals things, dude, this, I don't know why this makes me so happy. When he gets chased by the chimpanzees, fucking Jaden, and goes into the water, the camera's like hovering just right above the water as he comes like running in. And I'm just like, Fuck, no one does that. That is such a unique choice to make. It's just like he makes the camera a part of the scene. He knows where to put it and spatially where to put his actors and how to block it. Because most movies, sadly, it's coverage of the movie. It's set up five cameras and we'll edit it together with no intention. There's no emotional intention. And I'm not trying to make the argument that there's one way to film a scene and you have to find the right way. 
I think M. Night goes, how do I want to feel scared in this scene? And how am I going to shoot it to make people feel scared? This is what I'm going to do. That's why I'm going to put the camera here. And it's not an intellectual thing. I'm not trying to say like filmmaking is like a math problem that you have to solve and be like, the only place you can put it is this angle because it's going to maximum impact. I think he's emotionally intelligent to be like, we can't get close to Will Smith because he's unknowable right now. So let's literally not get close to him right now until we can get close to him. Or let's put the camera over here when this action scene's happening, because it's going to be more effective that way. It's going to make you feel more scared or even when fucking Jaden's screaming and he's like literally like doing his monologue into the camera on a stage almost like he is a fucking Shakespearean actor. And it's like, he's doing these things intentionally, not thoughtlessly. And I find that so fascinating. Again, I don't think a lot of contemporaries do that. And sadly, I think it's because People get so down on the plots of his movies, the acting, the dialogue, the things that like are hard to warm up to. And I totally get that. I wouldn't argue to be like, well, you don't get the subtleties of the fucking dialogue in this. It's like, no, it's kind of fucking crazy shit. And it's hard to do it. People overlook how fucking like um, exemplary he is with directing and shooting and composing what directing is. It's blocking these sequences and making them very effective. That's my rant. I fucking love M. Night. He's I feel like this movie, though, was like a good lesson for him, though, because it was like you said, like he's good at what he's good at. And this movie, because he had last airbender and then he had this and it was just like, I can't do these kind of movies. No, I need to do original movies. I need to do them how I want to do them because you have things like the village and the happening, which maybe it's because I'm just surrounded by you goons all the time, but I feel like they've come back where people have revisited them. Been like, you know what? We were fucking harsh on this film. And over time, they're like, this was way better than we gave credit to. Cause like for a while, instead of looking at the artistry in his movies, people were just like, waiting for his twist endings mm-hmm. so like they weren't necessarily paying attention to the movie they were more of just like waiting for what they felt like was like a gotcha moment but i feel like as time has moved on those movies people have revisited and been like you know what now that i like really watching it this is fucking dope and this is fucking good and i feel like making a movie like this and having it bomb so spectacularly just like shows like these types of movies like these huge hollywood blockbusters they're not for every director because while this has got like an m night feel to it he still wasn't able to succeed in some of the things that he's good at because he you know there kind of was like another director on set and this wasn't his own original idea that he could maybe um craft a little bit differently because you know he got hired by will smith to make this film so i feel like it was probably a good thing where he then kind of like went back and was just like no i need to get back to my basics not to the world's basics because he said he's like you know there's like this tug and pull where part of you is just like i want to make the movies that like the big studios want me to make and like i want to make those like big movies that like the audiences want but then he like realized like but that's not 
M. Night. That's not the M. Night movie. And it doesn't work when you're doing something that's like not authentic to yourself. And so I feel like, you know, thanks, Will Smith, for helping M. Night to fucking bomb on this so that he could stop putting out garbage like this and get back to giving us shit like the servant. Which you haven't watched, Eric. And as like an M. Night fan, shame on you. I've seen the first episode, which I know he directed, and it was fucking awesome. It is not enough. He's directed a bunch of it. His daughter has directed a bunch of it. That's not M. Night. Nepotism. (laughs) Uh, No, but like Servant servant is like very M. Night. It is like you should at least finish that first season. I haven't been emotionally fucked up from something in a while and that first season like just literally emotionally fucked me the fuck up like it is phenomenal where are my wayward pine fans out there he did that too <laughs> first season was okay. ever, did we finish the first season <laughs> we finished first season second season sucked butt <laughs> um to go back to your point, though, I, I totally agree because we have to get into the epilogue of this. Like this movie changed M. Night's career path for the better, 100 percent, because after this movie and this failure and the critical fa- failure and the box office failure and all that and people, M. Night's laughing stock again. It's when he stopped working with the studio's money and he mortgages his house and he goes and makes his found footage movie, The Visit with the grandparents trying to kill the grandkids. Oh, and shit. And it's the start of the visit, which leads into split, which leads into glass, which leads into old, which leads into knock at the cabin, which is coming out soon. And it puts him back in the good graces where people are excited about M night movies again. And I'm not talking about our inner circle. I'm talking about the internet at large. It's like, people are like, we, Oh, cool. He's making our movie. Let's go fucking see it. Because even if it stinks, like, we're excited by it. But I'll say this because you were saying like he did this movie for the money, blah, blah, blah. I think he's such a good filmmaker that these movies are more important than his personal movies because it shows that even though he's doing the movie where Will Smith's directing, it's studio money and he has to appease certain brands and do all this shit, blah, 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 blah. His artistry still spills over where you're like oh this is like i i would argue that the second act of this movie where Jaden's starting his journey is walking through the woods doing all these things has to like administer the fucking shot in his chest and all that stuff i think those are pure m night moments that are happening and then the first act and the third act kind of fucking lose that thread that he has whereas there are other directors who do work for higher films where it's just like Oh, you, Brian De Palma. I'm not saying Brian De Palma had this. I think Brian De Palma is still the dude where it's like, cool, I got Mission Impossible. I'm going to make it a Brian De Palma film. But um, I'm trying to think of an example. It's Who's like, the one guy that Tom Cruise is always working with? The Top Gun guy? Oh, oh, the guy. Yeah, the Mission Impossible guy, Christopher McQuarrie. Oh, I, yeah. got even, I got an even better one. Colin Trevorrow, who made all the new Jurassic Park movies, right? <sighs> Jurassic World and so on and so forth. He came from the indie background. He makes his new movies like you can't necessarily follow a thread to be like, oh, this is what he had in his indie movies that came over to this or whatever. It's a lot of times it's hard where directors just like it's a studio hired film. They they're not necessarily bringing what makes them special to the table. Yeah, I get it, man. Sell your soul. Make that money. I get it. Yeah, I think Last Airbender and or Last Airbender and After Earth for as atrocious they are. And you could argue that they're poorly made films. There is M. Night's 
fucking hands still all over them because I think it's so in his DNA to do things a certain way that it's just always going to spill over that way. So I think these films, sadly, at the bottom of his list are more important to study because it's like, this is why he is a voice. This is why he's someone who- Honestly, I think the reason these two movies don't work for him is because while he still bleeds into it, it's so not his voice. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think that's why they don't, because like he is so specific that like even when he's making a big movie like that, you're like, that's some M. Night shit in there. Mm. But it makes you crave the M. Night stories that go with his vision. Like, you know, he's like a director where those two things, like you need both of them from him at the same time. Like you can't just take M Knight's visuals. Like you need his original story to go with it because they just pair like nothing else. You know what, Mark, I can see you have a million things you want to say. And one <laughs> of them is uh, let's wrap this up. But- okay, well, we just got to talk about will though. Oh yeah, yeah, we have. I know that's a will. I know this is a big M night. Okay, all I'm gonna say is, just as much as this was like a learning experience for M night, and he was just like, "I'm not gonna make this shit." Will Smith has had nothing but bangers, and he said that this movie fucked him up so much. He let down his son. I feel like it's the first time he discovered that his formula mm. is not fail proof it did not work for his son it did not work for this movie like this is a man who's like mapped out his career and this was a huge hit and he said it fucking rocked him but he also like this is just like honestly i feel bad for will it was a bad time fucked up his life with this kid he found out like his dad had cancer like the same day he got like the abysmal numbers for this movie like it was just like a bad go but he said it made me realize like people are still going to hire me for movies. It's unhealthy that I've always just wanted to be number one and like pinned my happiness or my life like on the success of movies. And he said that like moving forward that he wanted to take more danger in his artistic choices because once you've bombed like this, it kind of does like free you up a little bit to make you know, maybe choices that you're like, that's not, that's not in the formula, you know, like you can't risk it as where once you've finally seen a pretty big failure, who gives a shit if you take a risk here and there anymore. And honestly, I feel like I kind of want that from Will Smith because I feel like the last few movies from him have been very like, I don't know, vanilla safe. I mean, not that seven pounds, I guess was safe, but I don't know. Like I've just wanted I want him to do something just fucking wild. You know what I mean? Like I want him in like a deep character piece again. I mean, he sucks ass for the rest of his career. <laughs> if we're looking box office. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at it. Can we decide? King Richard lost podcast? like $20 million. Did it really? Yeah. I'm an Oscar. Can we Mark? Can we, can we literally both all three of us? Can we figure out what fucking films count as what here live on the podcast? Because after, after I know which ones. So we're skipping Anchorman too, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Man. Skipping Winter's Tale. I don't even know what the yeah, fuck that let is. Me, hold on, let me get my bearings here. Okay. Yeah, I'm Winter's Tale is a cameo. Yeah, he's not. We're not I'm looking that. at IMDb. For Next Winter's one is Tale. Focus with Margot Robbie. Okay, but you're, you're jumping. You're jumping. A little what bit. am I jumping? We're going from After Earth to Focus. 
Let's see. Mark. Oh, Annie, he's a producer. Wait, you want me to go through everything? Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, focus. Okay. And then yeah. after that concussion. Okay. I say I know it's an ensemble piece, but it's such a big movie, and it's literally the biggest movie he has up at like moving forward. Suicide Squad will do. Oh we'll yeah, we got to do that one. For that one. <laughs> People want to hear that one. <laughs> uh, Colette, what did you say? <laughs> I said we'll actually get listens for that one because it's um, a movie that people know. Kind of, co- we'll do Collateral Beauty, Bright, Ooh, um, yeah. Aladdin, Gemini yeah. Man, Spies in yeah. Disguise, Bad Boys for Life, yeah, King Richard. Emancipation will try to go to theaters, but if, if we're not able to, seven days later comes out on Apple Plus. Let's oh. do that. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize Gemini Man was so shitty. Fart in his catalog. Oh, dude, I thought Gemini that was Man change your life. It's going to change your life. Did M Night direct? No, man. Our boy Ang Lee directed it. Crouching Tiger, The Hawk, Ice Storm, uh, Brokeback Mountain. Ang Lee, he did fucking Gemini Man, and it rules. So we got focus up next. Margot Robbie. I'm pretty sure they bang in it. I'm pretty sure they bang off screen. <laughs> Whoa, allegedly or not allegedly. I think this is all. No, this is a definitely allegedly. Oh, is like a hundred percent alleged rumors went on about the two of them. This was like deep in the height of do they have an open marriage? She's Australian. Honestly, though, like we like put your bling blong in my hiney. I do just kind of I don't know, because like you just said, like he doesn't really have like anything. Other any bangers after this. If we got to get into it. Is it because it becomes too much of a public persona as opposed to an actor? I think it's because he he doesn't have bangers anymore because he was such of his time. He was like a gen X gen Y person starting with fresh prints. And, you know, you listen to his rapping now and it's fucking, it's fucking cheesy as shit, but it wasn't at the time. These gen Zers don't give a crap about Will Smith. Or maybe he was, he, they want to see Tyler, the creator in Gemini man. I mean, okay. That would be bad. But I guess we'll get into it as we go on because it's like, did he ruin his own comeback? Like King Richard was going to be the the pendulum backswing. Like, you know, Tom Cruise is back making fucking Mission Impossible. And everyone's like back on his shit. Was this going to be Will's time back in the sun? And he fucked it up. Well, Tom Cruise made the best movie of the year. Top Gun. Top Gun Maverick was phenomenal. Tattoo it on my ass. Wow. Damn. Will win Best Picture. No! Absolutely. It will not, Mark. What will win Best Picture then? I don't know what's up for her. What 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 do we think is in the sphere? I don't think it's going to be nominated for Best Picture. Tar is going to be nominated. The Whale maybe, but that won't get Best Picture because I think it's all Brandon Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. He is the ambassador for going to the movie theater and going and seeing a fucking movie in the theater. I'm going to call it now. Top, Top Gun is not even a movie that will get nominated for Best Picture. It will 100% oh. get nominated. I don't There's think it will. nominations. Yeah. So what movies will get nominated? I don't know, but I feel like people will view it as not like an Oscar-worthy type movie. I, he's I think it'll Hollywood, get like the bullshit maybe. where it'll get like soundtracked or like mm-hmm. sound editing. It will win. And if it doesn't, 
I will kill. You know what? Never. No, you know what? Never got what? nominated. What are you you know, like it never got nominated. Eric Myra. <laughs> Holy shit. No, like, because here's the thing. This is why the Oscars are bullshit. Because you know what made Holy the shit, fucking dude. film industry a fuck ton of money and like never got any nominations outside of like music was fucking the Harry Potter franchise. Like, sorry. Top Gun Maverick was fucking phenomenal. It was no Deathly Hallows, let alone part two. That movie was so colossal that on the fucking promos, they didn't even bother writing Harry Potter. They didn't bother writing Deathly Hallows. All they did was write the fucking date. It was that colossal. And they didn't even bother to give it like a fake nomination that wasn't going to win. And that that fucking entire franchise brought in so much goddamn money. So it's like the Oscars are full of shit. They don't care about that kind of shit. They want like their pretend percent pretentious shit that's going to make them feel good. Top of Maverick was great. It's not getting it is in, in no way getting Okay. Film. All right. Here's no the way. thing, Lily. I never even considered that being an option. Like, because I, one, I don't really think about like what the fuck's gonna be nominated at the Oscars. Now that Mark has said it, <sighs> I'm kind of leaning with him. I think it might go all the way because I love you guys end up with so much. I got well, no, Eric just doesn't want to die. All right, we gotta go. Also, Tom Cruise doesn't care about awards anymore, so they definitely aren't gonna give it to him. Oh Lord, have mercy! All right, uh, what's next? The uh, focus. focus, focus, focus. We need to. Everyone, right. focus and watch After Earth three times, right? And then go to that website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your life will be saved. Does it make well happy? <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 Bye.